Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Matty Lack's first ever NFL Draft Analysis Podcast. I'm very excited about it, so any comments, questions, give me some feedback. You can find me on Twitter, at MatthewLack6. So just a brief history on myself so you guys can get to know me better. I'm 22 years old, and I'm from Ventnor, New Jersey, and I'm currently a senior at CCU waiting to graduate. Just a little heads up about what I'm doing right now is this is a podcast, and I'm currently talking into my Xbox Live mic, so that shows you that I'm starting from the bottom over here. <laughs> well, anyway, I go to Coastal, and we're going to be joined by a special guest at the end of the show, Bruce Mapp, wide receiver out of Coastal, as he tries to go to the NFL, and I'm very, very excited about that. The NFL Draft is on Thursday, April 27th, and what I'm going to get into today is I'm going to start off with the NFL Draft Quick Hits, is what I like to call it, and I'm going to get into a 15-pick mock draft. And I'm going to also talk to you guys today about stocks that are on the rise and the fall and some potential trades that I see happening. Now, what I want to do with this podcast is I'm going to bring you guys the NFL Draft Analysis Podcast today, and then next week I want to go over my post-draft grades. And then eventually during the summer I want to start getting to uh, fantasy football. So with all that being said, let's start with the NFL Draft 2017 Quick Hits. First off, first and foremost, this is a very, very deep cornerback draft. According to Daniel Jeremiah, he has 10 cornerbacks on his top 50 prospect list. So what this means is that you can find a very, very high-rated cornerback in the second round, maybe even late first. And three things to know about this draft on offense is this is not a good offensive lineman draft. You're going to say you're going to see maybe three to four offensive linemen go in the first round. That's it. Usually you see a lot more. You see offensive tackles getting drafted real early. Not this draft. And another thing about the offense in this draft is that there's question marks on every single quarterback. There's no quarterback that is clearly the number one. There's no quarterback that is even going to be the number one pick. No less in in my mock draft top ten. So another thing on offense is that there's no clear-cut number one wide receiver. You can go with your speed with John Ross. You can go with your um, route running with Corey Davis, or you can go with your guy Mike Williams who just goes up and gets it. So it goes to a team's preference with who they want with the wide receiver. So let's get into the Cleveland Browns. They hold the number one pick. Something interesting about the Browns is that they also hold the number 12 pick, which gives them a complete advantage in this draft. This is another year in a row that they have two first-round picks. They have the number 12 pick, which they traded with the Philadelphia Eagles last year, in which the Eagles drafted Carson Wentz. I'm a firm believer that the Browns wish they didn't do that and just select Carson Wentz because they need a quarterback. Well, what else do they need? Let's talk about it. They literally need everything. So what do they do? They go with the best available. My mock draft has not picking Miles Garrett along with every other mock draft out there. Garrett is a 95 out of 100 in uh, the scouting grade, which puts him at the highest uh, rated uh, prospect coming out of the draft. And the next best is Jamal Adams at 93. So he's two uh, rankings uh, ahead of everybody. His athleticism is through the roof. He's a defensive lineman, and he ran a 4.64 at the combine. Some running backs were running 4.64s. And he had the second in bench press for all of defensive linemen with 33 bench presses. And he's mostly going to be on the outside rushing in and so you mean to tell me that a defensive tackle like one of those big guys can't bench press more than 33 like this guy is amazing he's a freak of nature this man bench pressed in ESPN analysis 25 times with ease so for the Cleveland Browns you cannot go wrong with this pick keep it simple don't think too much I don't even need to talk more about this pick because he is the consensus number one overall pick all right well we'll get into the 
number two overall pick, the San Francisco 49ers. This is where the NFL draft gets interesting because they have a new head coach who is Kyle Shanahan, who was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, who just went to the Super Bowl, lost a 28-3 lead. So that's what you need to know about Kyle Shanahan. But uh, he's a very, very good coach. He's more offensive. But anyway, this is the only team in the league that needs more than the Browns. <laughs> they just signed Brian Hoyer and Matt Barkley this summer. Now, those quarterbacks are not your future options whatsoever. But I think that they, those two alone are enough so that you do not have to address the need of a quarterback in this draft. And I think that long ago they looked at the quarterbacks with question marks around all of them and said, all right, we're not going to pick one. So they might pick one later, but not with the number two overall pick. So I think that what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and trade back to the Panthers. I think that the Panthers will come up and try and get Leonard Fournette because apparently the Jaguars are looking at him hard. But So let's just say if they um, – my mock draft is based off no trades. So let's just say if the 49ers do pick, a lot of people have Solomon Thomas going here. That was a consensus number two overall pick. Everybody loves Solomon Thomas to the 49ers. But – but I, I think people are forgetting that they drafted DeForest Buckner, number seven overall last year. And he was really, really good for him. And people are also forgetting that on the other end, they have Arik Armstead, who had the highest pass rush productivity out of, among all three, four defensive ends, according to Pro Football Focus. So both their defensive ends are good. And Salman Thomas plays the end. And none of those players that I said can play the nose tackle. So if they were going to go defensive line, I think that they would go nose tackle, which there's not like a Don Terry Poe in this draft that can play the nose tackle. So they need an O-line. That's a fact. The uh, San Francisco 49ers O-line stinks. But there's no uh, person on the offensive line that's worthy of going number two. So what I have them going is Jamal Adams. He's a high safety in the box. He's very, very physical, and he can stop the run. His tape is literally unreal. And John Lynch, who is now the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers, was a strong safety himself. So what better way to introduce a new GM who was a strong safety by selecting a strong safety? And he's one of the best strong safeties to come out in a while. Like His tape is literally unreal. You guys should all go watch his highlights. They're amazing. Well, I Jamal Adams to the San Francisco Niners put it down for Matty Lack's draft analysis. Now, we're on to the Chicago Bears. They paid Mike Glennon big money this summer. I couldn't even believe it. So this also leads me to believe that the Chicago Bears are not going to pick a number uh, quarterback with number three. So they need defensive line help, and they also need cornerback help. They tried to address the cornerback issue this summer by uh, signing Prince of Mukamura. But there's also rumors of them releasing Kyle Fuller, who was drafted number 14 overall in the 2014. They said that he's not even going to make the team. So their linebacking core is actually really, really good. They uh, drafted Leonard Floyd last year at number 9. They have Pharrell McGee. They have Danny Trevathan. They have Jarrell Freeman. And they have Lamar Houston. So their linebacking core is really, really solid. My belief is that they go with pass rush, considering the deepness of cornerback in the draft, because they can get one in the second round. So I have them picking Solomon Thomas, which is a perfect fit for this team. Solomon Thomas's overall rank on the scouting grade is a 92, and he's ranked number four among all prospects. He ran a 4.6940, and you can literally plug him in at day one and have him start defensive ends. So I believe that Solomon Thomas is the perfect fit for the Bears to start their pass rush. Now, on to the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number four pick. They have a new head coach named Doug Marone. And they also, don't forget that Tom Coughlin is now the executive vice president. And he is definitely going to call some shots in 
the front office, and they also landed Calais Campbell, A.J. Boye, and Barry Church in free agents, so the Jaguars are out there spending money. They also released Jared Odrick on the defensive line, which opens up a spot over there, and Tom Coughlin's a firm believer, and you can never have too many good defensive linemen, which you obviously saw in the Giants as they won two Super Bowls over there. So I believe that they're looking at Leonard Fournette, they're intrigued, but they also do have Chris Ivory and T.J. Yeldon, so I believe that those two running backs are good enough to get them to the playoffs. So I believe that their pick here is Jonathan Allen. He's an Alabama defensive lineman. He's a dominant run defender, and he makes tons of plays inside the tackle box, which will put him at a defensive tackle. He's actually the third highest rated player, according to uh, ESPN prospects. And the only thing that worries about me about Jonathan Allen is that he did 21 reps at a combine. So my question is, does he lack strength? Because you watch all of his tape, and he does not show that he lacks strength whatsoever. But I believe that he should have done more because you have – Miles Garrett over here, who's a defensive end, doing 33 reps. And then you have uh, Jonathan Allen, who's a defensive tackle, only doing 21. So that is a little, little concern to me. And Jonathan Allen also won the 2016 Chuck Bednarik Award as the nation's top defender in 2016. And another thing about the Jaguars is that they have Dante Fowler, Calais Campbell outside, Malik Jackson, and Jonathan Allen. That would immediately put them up for the best defensive lineman in the league. So... Let's go over to the Tennessee Titans pick where they acquired this pick from the Rams going up to get Jared Goff last year. So they added Logan Ryan in free agency and Jonathan Cyprin this summer. And they also did release Jason McCourty though, so that has another cornerback need for them. They also need a wide receiver. They also need an inside linebacker. But this is also a reminder about the Tennessee Titans. They also draft at pick number 18 coming up. So I believe that they will wait to pick number 18 to pick their number one wide receiver. With the number 5 overall pick, the Tennessee Titans will select Marshawn Lattimore, cornerback out of Ohio State. He's by far the best cornerback in the draft. He was ranked number 6 cornerback coming out of every single high school. So when he was a senior in high school, he was the number 6 defensive back in uh, every single high school. (laughs) The only question mark I have him, which is about his injury prone. He had hamstring problems throughout his whole entire college career. He was redshirted his uh, 2014 season, so he didn't play because he was out with a hamstring injury. And he only played three games in 2015 due to his hamstring injury. So he does have a chronic string of hamstring injuries, but his 2016 was lights out. He's amazing. He possesses elite quickness, agility, and awareness. And he is a very... He's the top cornerback in the draft, no doubt. He's outstanding in run support. If somebody does a screen on him, no, 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 no. No one does a screen on him. He runs right through the block and gets the tackle. He's rated a 92 out of 100 on the prospect list. And this is an amazing pick for the Titans because they can also address their wide receiver need with the number 18 overall pick. Now going into the New York Jets, they hold the number 6 pick. Christian Hackenberg was drafted in the second round last year, so that's very, very early early for a quarterback. And I'm a firm believer in if I, I don't believe that an NFL GM wants to give up on the players that they personally selected so fast. So this NFL GM for the Jets, he selected Christian Hackenberg, which was a reach. Uh, but he obviously believes in Christian Hackenberg. He hasn't even taken a snap yet. So I don't believe that they go quarterback with this pick. I saw some mock drafts where they select Mitchell Trubisky. I've seen some mock drafts where they select Jason Watson. But I don't think they go quarterback. I think that they try and help their defense. So the Jets GM is known for taking the best available player. They had Muhammad Wilkerson. They had Sheldon Richardson. Their defensive line was absolutely perfect, and their Leonard Williams was sitting on the board, so they selected him, and they they haven't looked since. That was a great pick. They also added Josh McCown this summer, so that is another 
reason why I'm indicating that they will not select a quarterback with this pick. I think that they're going to try and trade back, but let's, my mock draft has no trades in it. Let's just say that they didn't trade. They will select either O.J. Howard or Malik Hooker. They're going to be thinking about it, a big tight end that can block, that can do literally everything you want in tight end, or are they going to select the Malik Hooker? I have them selecting Malik Hooker, and let me tell you why. He's amazing ball skills. He's a ball hawk back there. He will intercept any single pass. He'll go up and get it. He In a division where they throw pass a lot, you have the Dolphins, you have the Bills, you have... The Patriots, they pass a lot, so you're going to want Malik Hooker, the free safety, who is excellent in the pass. He's the best available on the board at this time, and the Jets absolutely need help in the secondary since they released Daryl Revis, and their secondary, quite honestly, just kind of stinks. And the only problem that I've seen with Malik Hooker after watching this tape is that I kind of question his physicality with stopping the run. Now, I think that he needs to get better at tackling. He missed 17 tackles last season, which is a lot, but... With an NFL coach, an NFL safety uh, coach, he will get better and he will make those tackles. Because one thing about him is that he's not afraid. He literally rushes up there and kind of misses it. But he gets an arm on him, so he just needs to get better at tackling. That's it. So we're on to the Los Angeles Chargers now. They are no longer in San Diego, so don't be saying San Diego Chargers. They signed Russell Okung to, in my perspective, the worst contract in all free agency this summer. Russell Okung to a terribly overpaid contract. Well, anyway, their defense is in the middle of transitioning to a 4-3 defense. They're trying to move Melvin Ingram to the opposite side of Bosa so that they could have two defensive ends over there. And I believe that this is their one last push with Phillip Rivers. They believe that they have the quarterback that can take him to the playoffs, but they also are at the same time where they're like, we need a successor if this season fails again. But they're not going to get a quarterback here because the, this quarterback draft has a bunch of question marks. You don't spend a top draft pick on a question mark. That is just not what you do. Well, anyway, with Keenan Allen's, all of his injury problems, he's been out the past two seasons. He's absolutely amazing, but I believe that they pick somebody to compliment Philip Rivers because he does need help. Philip Rivers' wide receivers last year were Tyrell Williams, like Travis Benjamin, like he needs some help. So anyway, I believe that they go with my personal best wide receiver on the board, which is Corey Davis out of Western Michigan. He can line up inside, he can line up outside, which gives the Chargers some flexibility with him. And he has the ability to take a screen to the house. His on-field uh, speed is absolutely amazing. He goes 0-100 to real quick. Well, anyway, he can juke somebody, spin moves, he does it all. And the Chargers need that explosiveness. They're looking for somebody that can go opposite Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is the perfect route-running guy, but they also need somebody that can take a screen to the house and score some electrifying touchdowns because, let's face it, they don't have that person. So, with all that being said, Corey Davis to the Chargers, book it. Now, Carolina Panthers, Carolina Panthers GM, David Gettleman, with this pick, According to my mock draft, he is sitting there jumping up and down. Fournette is still there. He's been trying to trade up the whole entire draft to get him, and he didn't, wasn't able to because my mock draft doesn't let it. But anyway, Fournette fell to him, so he's super happy. So we got to also remember that the Carolina Panthers have two second-round draft picks, so it's not far-fetched at all for them to trade up uh, even further to get Fournette if they think that the Jaguars are serious about selecting Fournette. So anyway, Leonard Fournette is who the Carolina Panthers get. He's everything you want to start on a running back. He has a combination of power, speed, explosion. He's literally thirsty for contact. You watch his highlight film, and it's complete amazing. He can be your starting running back immediately. Jonathan Stewart will be a thing in the past really, really quick. 
Now, the only question mark I have about Leonard Fournette is that he came into the combine weighing 240 pounds, and he said that he was very, very out of shape, and he didn't even want to do the bench press because he knew that his bench press would not be impressive whatsoever, so he elected to not do the bench press. So uh, he had a pro day at LSU's pro day. He lost 12 pounds. He came into the pro day weighing 228 and he was absolutely amazing. All of his route running cuts were amazing. He was in shape. But my only concern about him was, why would you go to the NFL Combine, one of the biggest days of your life, and you come in out of shape, not ready, don't do the bench press? I, that's That shows character questions for me. But anyway, he's the safest running back in the draft. He has a very high floor, meaning that on his worst days, he's still going to get a lot of yards. So he's good. Going to the number nine pick, we have the Cincinnati Bengals who need an O-line, a linebacker, and a wide receiver. They're looking at Hassan Riddick or Reuben Foster with this pick. Reuben Foster, hands down, is the best linebacker on the board. I believe that this pick with Reuben Foster down to Hassan Riddick, who's the second best linebacker in this draft, that is the biggest uh, gap in between the positions. Uh, Reuben Foster is by far the best linebacker in the draft, like I just said. He's called a hitman in pads is what they call him over there at Alabama. And the Cincinnati Bengals are the only team (laughs) that would take him this high with all these character issues. He's having a bunch of character issues right now. He just failed a drug test, and he went on record to say that the drug test was diluted, which it's a he shed, she shed right now. So I really don't know what to believe. Um, I'm one for believing in uh, people giving him the benefit of the doubt, so I'll say that the drug test was diluted. But, you know, you never know. Anyway, he was at the hospital during the combine just getting a checkup I guess that you have to kind of sign in and apparently he was waiting too long there and he freaked out and he left the combine and then he failed the drug test so this is just raises so much question marks but all of his players his teammates say that he's absolutely amazing he's one of the leaders in the locker room so I, I looking in from the outside I really don't know what to believe but I tell you what i watched his highlight film he lays the wood he is the best linebacker in the draft special teams he will go into leonard Fournette and go a hundred percent like this there's no linebacker in the draft like him he is the best number nine overall pick for the bengals right now well anyway on to the buffalo bills with the number 10 overall pick they need a wide receiver they need a cornerback and they need an offensive lineman they just lost stefan gilmore to the uh patriots and they just signed Mika Hyde over there from the Packers. And the best thing that the Buffalo Bills did this summer was lock up Tyrod Taylor. There's no more question marks with him flying around. They got him to a good deal. So I believe with this pick, they will go Mike Williams, Clemson, wide receiver. He's big. He can go up and get it. He's your typical number one wide receiver. And this this puts a lot of pressure off Sammy Watkins, who's been injured. You know, at times, Robert Woods is their number one wide receiver. At times, there's Marquise Goodwin. Uh, is the Buffalo Bills number one receiver, and you just can't have that in the NFL. That cannot be your number one option. I'm sorry, but with all the Watkins injury, they have to go wide receiver, and they draft uh, Mike Williams. He's your ideal number one wide receiver. He's very, very physical at the point of attack, and he will go up and get it. And this is the Buffalo Bills pick. So on to my favorite team. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. So I have my team selecting Derek Barnett, defensive end out of Tennessee. We need a cornerback, we need a linebacker, we need that defensive end. But we also have the number 32 overall pick too. So like I said, this is a deep, deep cornerback draft. So you can get a first-round talent at like the second round if you draft cornerback because like I said, this is a deep cornerback draft. So with the number 
t- uh, 32 overall pick. I have them trading for Malcolm Butler. I believe that we would not have traded Brandon Cooks over to there without bringing Malcolm Butler back. And I believe that this is all a plan by the Patriots GM and the Saints GM because they are really good friends. We do um, joint practices during the summer. Bill Belichick and Sean Payton, they're actually really, really good friends. So I believe that this was all a plan to get Malcolm Butler over to the Saints and the Saints trade Brandon Cooks over to the Patriots. And anyway, I know that we need linebackers, but with the signing of Monte Teo, I think that that's good enough to get us to the playoffs is what every single team wants to be. You know, uh, any team picking in the top 15, uh, their mission is to win the Super Bowl, obviously, but they want to get to the playoffs to give them a shot at going to the Super Bowl. So anyway, with uh, Monte Teo, we're good on linebackers for this pick. We go Derek Barnett, defensive end out of Tennessee. He's extremely, extremely productive. He broke Reggie White's sack record. And actually, if you look at the stats between him and Miles Garrett, he, out of his whole entire three years, they both played relatively for three years, Miles Garrett and Derek Barnett. He had way more production than Miles Garrett. And why is Miles Garrett going number one? It's just pure athleticism. That man is a freak. But Derek Barnett, a lot of people say that he lacks athleticism. To be honest, I didn't really see it in the film, but that's what some people are saying about him. He is a very good pass rusher. He will go alongside Cam Jordan, absolutely great. And then in the inside, they'll have Sheldon Rankins, who they drafted last year, and they have Nick Fairley, who the Saints just locked up this summer. And just like Tom Coughlin said, you cannot have too many pass rushers. So that is who we go. Now, this is where uh, the question marks start to appear with the number 12 overall pick, Cleveland Browns. We'll select Mitchell Trubisky. They get this pick by the trade with the Eagles. Mitchell Trubisky has a couple question marks around him. The main question mark about Mitchell Trubisky is that he's only started 13 games. He's a one-year starter for uh, University of North Carolina. He's a very, very good athlete, though. He throws so well on the run. And a lot of people are saying, and I'm in agreement with him, he can... He is not ready to start week one. If he is your week one starter, then your team will not get to the playoffs. This is the best chance for them and gives them hope for the future, though. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a good quarterback in this league, but you need to groom these players correctly. You can't just put him in the fire on week one, and that's where I think a lot of these teams mess up. You know, They draft these, um, I would say, immature quarterbacks, and they have no plans to sit him whatsoever. The Cleveland Browns have two second-round picks. They have number 33 and number 52. So they can address their other needs there. They need a cornerback to go along Joe Hayden. And like I said, deep cornerback draft, they can go over there. And they can just assess other needs with those second-round picks coming up. Well, the next team to draft is the Arizona Cardinals. Now, this is a big problem over there on the defensive line because they lost Calais Campbell in free agency. They also need a defensive back to go opposite of Patrick Peterson because they have Tyron Matthew over there at safety, which is absolutely excellent. And they need a defensive tackle. Like I said, they lost Calais Campbell. And um, they also are in need of a quarterback. They have Carson Palmer, but he's getting old. He already said that he's retiring after the season. So that means that they have one year left of Carson Palmer before they either go to Drew Stanton or find his successor. So with this pick, this is going to raise a lot of eyebrows. I believe that they go Deshaun Watson. Why? Boom. Because you can have one year where Deshaun Watson, he's not ready to start day one of the NFL. And every single team knows that. So you pick Deshaun Watson. You have him worn under Carson Palmer for a year. And then he starts next season, and that will groom 
Deshaun Watson to become an excellent quarterback. He has very, very high potential. And what you need is for him to sit for a year to learn the offense, get adjusted to the NFL life. And this pick works really, really well for the Cardinals' future because they have young David Johnson. They have young Patrick Peterson. You know, so you got to lock up your future after this. And Deshaun Watson just went to back-to-back national championships and beat Alabama. So this this kid's really, really good. With this pick, though, I believe that... (laughs) In the war room, they're all sitting there. Some are saying Deshaun Watson for the future, and some are saying O.J. Howard. People are going to be tweeting at me, how is O.J. Howard still on your board in the mock draft? I know. I don't I don't have him going. I, I don't I don't know where to put him. I think that the Jets might want him. Actually, let me, let me scratch that. Every single team would love to have O.J. Howard, but I think that there's other team needs that need to be addressed first before they go tight end. But the Cardinals will definitely think about going O.J. Howard because they could make one last push with Carson Palmer in this final season. But then if you think about it, then after this final season, Carson Palmer's done. The Philadelphia Eagles, they got this pick from the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota, what are you doing? They traded uh, their first overall pick for Sam Bradford during the season. The Eagles hit the jackpot with that trade. They finally got back into the first round. They actually are only two spots than if they kept their overall pick. So that Carson Wentz trade, that Sam Bradford trade, literally worked out so perfect for the Philadelphia Eagles. And everywhere, we're uh, all my friends from back at home are Philadelphia Eagles fans, so I'm sure that they're all very, very excited to hear my pick for them. Well, let's just face it, your cornerbacks stink. You guys need a cornerback. But let me just say this, with the deep cornerback draft. I've been saying this all podcast, actually. With the deep cornerback draft, you guys will address other needs. And I believe that you guys go offense to help out your young quarterback, help out Carson Wentz, get some pressure off him. Dun, dun, dun. Christian McCaffrey. Boom. According to some scouts, they said that he was the best route runner in the whole entire draft. And that includes every single wide receiver. This man is a patient runner. He reminds me of Le'Veon Bell the way... Now, I'm not getting too ahead of myself. Reminds me of Le'Veon Bell the way he waits for the blocks to develop. And he's so elusive. He's an amazing route runner. And he's so dangerous. And I believe that he could be so lethal in a running back committee this year. Now, if he went to... The Panthers and the release Jonathan Stewart. I don't, I don't know if Christian McCaffrey will be as successful as the main running back this year. He can be the main running back, but I think that comes later on with the potential and with the NFL coaches helping him out. But alongside with Ryan Matthews and Darren Sproles, this will be an excellent pick for the Philadelphia Eagles. Now on to the last pick of my mock draft, number 15, Indianapolis Colts. They fired their GM this year, and they have a new GM named Chris Ballard. And he has gone on air and said that he wants to build up the fronts. So what does that mean? They added uh, Jabal Sheard from the Patriots for extra pass rush. They need help on actually every single position at defense. I looked up their depth chart, and there wasn't one person that stood out to me other than their cornerback, Vontae Davis, who's really, really good. But they need... Like I said, they need every single position at defense, but a main priority for them is protecting their franchise quarterback, Andrew Luck. Now, just some stats about Andrew Luck. He's 
was sacked the second most last season in the NFL. And according to NFL research, since 2012, Andrew Luck has taken the most hits at quarterback with 375. And number two is Ryan Tannehill with 364. So right off the bat, you know that your franchise quarterback has taken hit after hit after sack after sack every single day. So you need to go offensive guard, Forrest Lamp, guard out of Western Kentucky. This pick makes sense for him. You need somebody to block. You need somebody to help block for um, Andrew Luck so that he doesn't get hit as much and that he could have a long, long, long career, which the Colts need him to. Well, let's talk about Forrest Lamp. He's very, very consistent. He bends really well around the edge. He can pull really well for the handoffs, and he's quick out of the stance. And this pick makes sense for him. All right. Well, that's my 15-pick mock draft. My 1-32 mock draft will be posted on Twitter, at MatthewX6. I'll spell for you now. M-A-T-T-H-E-W-L-A-C-6. Now, let's just talk about real quick the people that I missed in my 1-15 through 15 mock draft. I already know. I've said it so many times. I missed O.J. Howard. I haven't fallen, not because of anything he's done, just because of the fact that I don't think that a team will go tight end in, like, the number 1 through 10 pick. I just can't put him somewhere because I feel that other teams are going to need other spots you know you know what i'm saying i also missed john ross he broke the nfl record uh for the 40 time at the nfl combine he ran a 422 which breaks chris johnson's record so i missed him in my 1 through 15 a lot of people think that he could be the person to go to uh buffalo bills because they love them speed wide receivers a lot of people think that they could go even as high as number five to the tennessee titans who clearly need a wide receiver but Let's talk about the next thing that I said that I was going to do. Stocks on the rise. Who is taking their draft stock from January when the season ended, risen it so high, maybe even to the first round? My first one is T.J. Watt. Wow, the last name sounds familiar, huh? Brother of J.J. Watt. He's an edge rusher. He's an outside linebacker. He's very, very quick, outstanding hands. His fundamentals are crazy good and the only thing that I have about him is that he does not generate much power with the bull rush. He has to do all these finesse moves, which absolutely work, but his power moves are not that great. But he fits very perfect in a 3-4 scheme as the outside linebacker that rushes off the edge. And I have him as a late first-round pick to the Steelers or Falcons. If he went to the Falcons, he'd be perfect opposite of uh, Vic Beasley. And if he went to the Steelers, they need somebody to replace Lawrence Timmons, who just went to the Dolphins this summer. And another stock on the rise. Let's talk about Takaris McKinley, linebacker or defensive end, out of UCLA. Now, what I mean by linebacker or defensive end is that if he goes to a team that's a 4-3 scheme, he's going to be the defensive end coming off the edge. If he goes to a 3-4 scheme, then he's not big enough to play the end in a 3-4 scheme. So he's going to be one of the linebackers bursting off the edge. Speaking of burst, his burst off the edge is absolutely elite. He plays very, very fast. You watch his tape, there's running backs going to the opposite side of him, and he tracks him down all the way downfield, and he does not give up on the play, which I love. He's very smooth and can wrap around the edge. The only question mark that I have on him is his run defense. Can he stop the run um, well? And that's what it is. He's an elite pass rusher. Every single person knows that. And in my mock draft, I have him going to the Ravens. 
because the Ravens need some pass rush. They need a successor for Terrell Suggs. They have C.J. Mosley in the middle, which is amazing. They have Brandon Williams. The Ravens are going to be good, but they also need a pass rusher, and I have them going to Karis McKinley. Stocks on the fall. Let's talk about it. Reuben Foster had to bring you up. You failed a drug test at the Combine, at the NFL Combine that you didn't even do. You went to the combine, you got in a fight at the hospital, you cursed off nurses, you left. It was a huge scene, and then you failed a drug test. Oh, like, so his stock, if the Cincinnati Bengals don't pick him, which is the most typical team to pick somebody with character issues, if the Cincinnati Bengals don't pick him, he's going to fall really, really far. I saw some teams even saying that he's going to be there in the second round, but... I think that talent will override this pick and that he will go number nine to the Bengals. But if the Bengals don't pick him, we're going to see him fall really far. And my second stock that is on the fall is this is a very controversial player, Joe Mixon. And for those of you who don't know, when he gets selected, this will be the most controversial pick in 2017 draft. He hit a woman on video, knocked her cold out in a restaurant. And one thing that I just want to say this is opening a can of worms, but how can Ray Rice not find a job after he won a Super Bowl and has done so much retribution to give back, and he can't find a team? But then Joe Mixon, they mock drafts have him going in the second round, late first, third round. He could literally go anywhere. There's question marks all over. Depends if a team wants to even get in the middle of that. But how can Ray Rice not find a team and then Joe Mixon get drafted? And it also just came out that he hit a woman in high school. The father of a woman in high school came out and said that Joe Mixon hit his daughter back in high school and said that he is a woman beater that he's been doing his whole entire life. So it's a shame because he is second to first round talent too. Anyway, let's get going with the trades. I have the 49ers trying to trade out of the pick desperately. I have the Leonard Fournette to the Jaguars rumors force Panthers to trade up. I believe that the Panthers will either either try and trade up to the San Francisco 49ers pick or the Chicago Bears pick. They have two second-round picks that they can uh, play with over here, so they are going to trade up and get Fournette because the Jaguars may or may not pick him, but according to my mock draft, they're not. The Jets trade down. The Jets need so much help on uh, their secondary, so they are going to trade down and to get more picks. I could see this happening. I don't know if it will, but the Seahawks trade into the early first round for Richard Sherman. Wow. Trade rumors have been swirling around Richard Sherman, and I just think that one of these teams that are bad but are a few pieces away from going to the playoffs are going to take this Richard Sherman deal, and here's why. You have the Saints. They're picking 11. If they got Richard Sherman... They're going right to the playoffs, no doubt in my mind. If they trade the number 11 overall pick and and the number 32 overall pick, that's two first-round picks. They're getting Richard Sherman. They're going right to the playoffs. No problem. Drew Brees will fight for another Super Bowl. Anyway, speaking of the Saints, I have them picking the uh, I have them trading the number 32 overall pick for Malcolm Butler. That is what I have happening. Malcolm Butler will be a Saint on draft day. So that recaps my NFL draft analysis. I hope you guys liked it. And make sure you do not hang up and turn off the app because you have to listen to Bruce Mapp's interview. 
I'm very excited about it. He's a wide receiver out of Coastal Carolina. He is easily one of the best wide receivers to come out of CCU, and I'm very excited about it. He's born and raised from Philly, which is near Atlantic City, and he's a good friend of mine, so make sure you guys stay tuned. All right, we got Bruce Mapp here. Bruce, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me. So I guess let's get right into it. Why don't you tell us a little something about yourself? Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia. I attended West Catholic High School. Um, coaches started showing me interest late in the recruiting game around January of 2012. And, you know, I took my visit down there. A lot of the coaches were from the Northeast, so we had a connection there. They knew they were familiar with the area mm-hmm. um, that I was from. And also they recruited my teammate down the gobble, so that made it a lot easier. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That, that's, good. that's a good tactic right there. Okay, cool. So, um, let's get into more personal about your life. Could you tell us who the biggest inspiration in your life is? Uh, definitely my father. My father's definitely my biggest inspiration. Uh, you know, he's been with me since I started playing football. Always encouraged me uh, to chase my dream and to get better and, you know, to elevate my game as the competition got better. And right now, he's still my inspiration because, you know, he's battling cancer and, you know, He's, he's fighting through it, and he's telling me, you know, whatever adversity comes my way through this draft process, just keep fighting. And yep. as I've done, you know, throughout my career, so he's definitely my biggest inspiration. Well, yep, that that sounds about right. <laughs> so, what would it mean to you if you were drafted in this year's draft class? Oh, it would definitely be, uh, mean a world to me because it's a dream I had since I was 12 years old, you know, to go to the NFL, and definitely it would mean everything because it's in my city. So, yeah, you know, I'm. I'm a big factor in my community, so a lot of kids seeing me get drafted and everything, it can just show that there's another way out. There you know, is, yeah. A lot of our names out of Philadelphia, and, you know, that would just mean the world. That's, that's an awesome point you brought up, that there's another way out. So, I want to talk about your game a little bit. What wide receiver do you patent your game off of and you try and replicate on the field? Uh, I watch a lot of uh, film of Antonio Brown and uh, Jarvis Landry just because route running is very important to me, and I think those guys run some of the best routes in the NFL. I also watch uh, Jerry Rice's game because okay, uh, they said Jerry Rice wasn't that fast. Um, he was a small Division One school, but he always found a way to get it done. And I feel like the same is kind of happening to me. You know, sometimes yeah, I my speed, and but I always find a way to get it done at every level, whether. It was a short pass, a long pass, you know, just right. find different ways to get it done through good technique, good hands, you know, film studying on your opponent. So Jerry Rice is somebody I definitely model my game after. Well, I tell you what, there's some good people to look after. <laughs> so um, how would you describe your game? And what I mean by that is do you, like, talk trash to try and get the cornerback's head out of the game, or do you kind of let your game speak for yourself? Well, I'm from Philadelphia, so a little trash <laughs> But no, I, I play real. I play real physical from play one to the last play. So, you know, when you play physical from the beginning, you know, DBs really don't like that. So, DBs model their game off of talking trash. So they're not trying to talk trash to you. And you know, I feel like it makes the game a lot funner because you know you're gonna bring out the best in him. He's gonna bring out the best in you. So, you know, being physical and talking trash is definitely something I do. Not too much trash talking, but right. just enough to make. 
So, didn't you uh, just go to the Equals Local Pro Day the other day? Yes, sir. Why don't you tell us about that? How was it? Oh, it was fun. I got to meet the whole coaching staff. I uh, met some of the players. Uh, I saw C.J. Smith there. He played at North Dakota State when we played against them. Nice. Uh, so we, talked about, we talked about that game a little bit. But as far as the local day, it was just nothing but uh, some receiver drills and routes. Uh, they, re- they recorded everything, so they just wanted to see how uh, we were – uh, running their offense, running their routes, if we can handle it and make an adjustment from college. You know. Right. You know, I think I, did pre- I think I did pretty well there. So they said they had the, uh, the workout on film, and they also had every target that was ever thrown to me at Coastal Carolina. So I believe they'll enjoy that because they see the different routes we run at Coastal Carolina under uh, Coach Patton's offense. Right. So um, I got another question for you. Now, this will bring up a debate. This has been a football debate all the time in college football. So coming from a school like Coastal Carolina, where we all know it's not a Power 5 conference, do you think that there's a huge difference and a gap between the level of competition that you play and other guys? And what I mean by that is, like, you saw Carson Wentz come out of North Dakota State. He was the number two overall pick, and he did excellent last year. And you see uh, Jared Goff, who went to Cal, was picked over him. But I bet you that the Rams went, uh, wish that they went with uh, North Dakota State. And you're coming out of Coastal. So what do you think about um, the level of difference in the competition, but that you can still make it from a school that's not Power 5? Uh, honestly, I think the level like it's not really much of a big difference. Uh, when we played South Carolina my freshman year in the South Carolina SEC school, mm-hmm. this is when they were in the top 10, almost top 5. Actually, they were ranked fourth in the country that year. So, when we played against them, there was not really a significant difference between the skilled players. Right. So everybody around the same uh, skill set, you know, body frame was the same. But there is kind of a big difference as far as the linemen. The linemen just seem to be a little bit more massive. A little Bigger, bit more stronger, faster. <laughs> in those five, five conferences. So, I believe when Carson Wentz made the adjustment into the NFL, all he had to do was really get used to the... Uh, difference at the uh, fronts, you know, you have mm-hmm. all kinds of O-linemen and D-linemen from different schools, so it definitely helped them up, but as far as skill discipline, it's not much of a difference for us. Right. Well, have you uh, paid attention at all to the wide receivers in this upcoming draft class, besides yourself, of course? Of course. So, I want to get into this. This is an NFL Draft Analysis podcast. I have Corey Davis ranked as my number one, but if your team selecting a wide receiver, who would you pick if Bruce Mapp is already off the board? Because you have your Mike Williams, who is amazing. He's your prototypical go-up-and-get-it. He's the number one wide receiver right when he joins the team. You have Corey Davis, who's so good after the catch. His explosiveness is unreal. And then you have John Ross, who ran a 422 at the Combine, where if he goes to the right team, he can be absolutely lethal. You know what I'm saying? So who would you pick if Bruce Map is off the board? Uh, for about number three, I'll probably pick Corey Davis. He's uh, the most well-rounded wide receiver out of those three. Um, he can run every route on a route tree, good hands, real physical. Uh, I know he has some injuries. All three of them, I think, have some injuries, but as far as just an overall wide receiver, I would pick them three. And mm-hmm. I also like... Uh, I also like Cooper Cup that you may mention. Cooper Cup. Okay. Not the fastest, not the fastest guy, you know, another uh, FCS guy, but just does everything right. Great technique, good hands. Right. He elevates his game versus bigger teams, and, you know, he can't play every week. That's how you got to do it. So we we all know that um, D'Angelo Henderson is looking to get his name called on Saturday, day three. Uh, where, do you, where do you see him going in this draft if you had to pick a specific team? Uh, I think, honestly, I think D'Angelo might surprise people. He might sneak 
into the uh, maybe fourth round. Yeah. It depends what type of, uh, what team really falls in love with him the most. You know, runs mm-hmm. hard, he's quick, he's strong. You know, he showed a great performance at the combine, so I believe that answered a lot of questions for him. You know? Yeah, it did. Obviously, he's short, but that never stopped him before. NFL teams don't seem too worried about it, and he's very versatile. I think D'Angelo is definitely going to surprise people and sneak up into some of the earlier rounds. Yeah, I, I really do think so, too. His pro day was really good, too. He was catching every single ball out of the backfield and running. He's a really good pass catcher out the backfield. I definitely agree. I believe he's got almost 100 career catches in his career. Wow. Well, that's all the questions I have for you, Bruce. I really do appreciate you coming on the show, and I wish you the best of luck uh, next weekend. All right, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you, thank you. I'll talk to you later, Bruce. Thank you. All right, so that concludes my 2017 NFL Draft Analysis Podcast. I appreciate each and every single one of you for um, listening to this whole entire thing. And remember, give me some feedback. Let me know what you think. Some constructive criticism would be great. And you can find me on Twitter at MatthewLack6. So don't be afraid to give me a shout-out, retweet, favorite, share, you know, do whatever. And like I said, thank you for watching. This is the first of many. Thank you.